Hey, hey, it's Aiden with another edition of Songs That Changed You, and it's a big one today. We'll get to that in just a second. First, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone that listened to last week's episode with my wife, Leah. We've both been inundated with messages from people saying that they were touched and they cried the whole way through. I assure you, that was not our intention, but I'm glad you really enjoyed it. If you haven't listened yet, I would really encourage you to go back and uh, check out the last episode with Leah Grant. But today, Mark Lee Townsend, guitarist for DC Talk, producer for Reliant K. Uh, this man is the best. And there's two reasons it's a super long episode. One, the song he picked today goes for more than 10 minutes. So yeah, it's a big one. But also, the dude shares so many incredible stories, behind-the-scenes workings with Reliant K and DC Talk reunions. Like, what part did you want me to cut out? Hence the little bit longer runtime today. So if you're joining us for the first time, uh, thank you very much for checking the podcast out. Please subscribe, throw us a five-star review, and sit back, enjoy my fanboying of Mark Lee Townsend. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Songs that changed you. If this was my edition of Songs That Change You, this man would be uh, responsible for a lot of the songs I would have chosen, from DC Talk to Reliant K. He's had his finger in the uh, Christian music scene for a very long time and very excited to welcome Mark Lee Townsend. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. How's it going over there? I'm good, thank you. Uh, where do we find you today? I live just south of Nashville. I mean, I'm not in I used to be in Nashville proper, but uh, last year me and the wife decided to move out of the city into the country. <laughs> so we're, we're probably about like 30 minutes south of downtown Nashville. So it's still kind of the Nashville area. And is that your studio I can see in the background? Yeah, this is my control room. It, yeah, that, it's it's interesting because I've had houses where I've had like really large studios. Yeah, and uh, this one, I, I have a smaller control room, but a better tracking area. So it's worked out pretty good. Okay, I mix good. a lot of things for people these days. And so it's a really good mix environment. Mark, what is the song that you have chosen that has changed you in some way? I don't have one specific song in life that has been like my uh, uh, you know, life changing in that sense. Uh, you know, I was telling you, I think that I, you know, there's several hymns that I love throughout the years. And uh, there's a Phil Keggy song that is really ministered to me. It's called Just Let Everything Else Go. It's from way back. Nothing can compare with what you are. Everything else goes. I just love the lyric on it, especially the chorus. But, uh, I thought, you know, given the nature of your show and stuff, I thought I would talk about uh, a song that I did with Reliant K that probably if you ask their fan base would say it is one of the most ambitious and impactful tunes to most of the fan base, I would think. Deathbed. But this was my deathbed Died there
Deathbed from their fifth album, uh, Five Score and Seven That's Years right. Ago, that was released uh, a few years back now. Uh, and you, yes. up until that point, had been their producer for all of their albums in, and including this song. Yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of how this, it came about. Um, Matt had been kind of toying with the song for, or you know, building it, because as you can tell, it's pretty lengthy. Gosh, I want to say, like, from the very front of it to the last squeak of the piano bench it's like 11 minutes or something like that so it's uh, definitely like a long tune 11 minutes and five seconds i've got written here <laughs> yeah yeah and and they had just been signed to capital mm-hmm, had been a really large success and so capital records uh in los angeles had decided to uh you know sign the band or whatever or actually kind of go alongside their existing deal it was kind of a co-partnership thing so Capital had put them with Howard Benson to do a bunch of the record, which I completely wholeheartedly agreed with because Howard was having a lot of hits in the mainstream at that point in time. He was kind of the hot flavor out there. And I never from day one had ever had a contract with Reliant K in the sense of I had not. A lot of times people, when you discover an act or develop an act, a lot of producers will you know sign them to an exclusive deal. I never did that. I just kind of always figured, hey, if it's working and the partnership's working, it's kind of like not comparing us to or me to, but it was kind of like George Martin with the Beatles. He never had a contract with yeah. them uh, per se, but it was it was something that worked. And so they kept coming back to that flavor, you know. So anyhow, Howard didn't want to mess with at that time an eight minute song or nine minute song. He was used to doing three, three and a half, four minute, you Punchy. know, pop tunes kind of thing. So the band really wanted to do this song. So they had recorded the bulk of the songs that Howard had done on five score. And we came back to my place in Nashville to work on it. And Matt immediately kind of sat down and played this for me on piano. I'm like, going, Oh gosh, this is awesome. I mean, just the lyric, the story, the whole thing, uh, it's so hopeful. I mean, and, it, and it's truth, you know, I, you know, the redemption that Jesus brings into your life, you know, I mean, the absolute assured redemption of that story, you know. So at that point, me and Tyson kind of hold up in my studio for the next couple of weeks, a bit each day, just adding tracks to it. You know, there's actually three different drum kits on the song, two different drummers. Uh, as far as the amount of tracks, I think it's the largest amount of tracks I've ever done on a song. I think we were clocking it at 111, 112 oh tracks, which for, for a rock song is a lot of tracks. Yeah. And once again, that's three drum, that's three different drum kits worth of tracks and strings and, you know, all the, all the stuff we put on it. You know what I mean? But it, it turned out epic to say the least. And I was really wondering how capital would receive this you know what i mean yeah in the context of it and, and they rolled with it with us which was awesome it's probably one of the reliant k's most overtly uh faith-based song if if that makes sense like at this point in the career I some of agree. the some of the messages were sort of more subtle and more mature whereas this one it's very obvious uh of what's being spoken about and things absolutely absolutely and i think that's one of the things i love about it the impact of it became even more real, uh, real to me when uh, we did uh, the last RK album, Mare for Free. You know, we did that, uh, I think it was 2016 around there or something like that. And I actually went out, they asked me to go out on the road with them and play with them. 
So I was originally going to do like just a couple weeks of like a three month tour. And I ended up out like a month and a half with them on the road and uh, played guitar with them alongside hoops and everybody else. And playing deathbed each night was incredible because you could just feel it in the room. I mean, every show we would play, everybody knew the lyrics and they're singing this thing that is just worshipful and hopeful and the emotional reality of the story just really played out well in a live setting. It ministered to me every night. I mean, I thought I found myself in tears almost every night. It was so impactful, you know? Yeah, it's a really strong song. And I love hearing that pretty much from from what you're saying, from the first time you heard it, it's it's had that strong impact. It did, absolutely. And I think for us, we wanted to add a bunch of things to it, but but we didn't want to make it a pop song, as weird as it is to say. You know, we didn't want we didn't want the message to get lost, but yet we did all kinds of the typical goofy stuff that we would do, you know, toy pianos and yeah. I can smell the death on the sheets covering me. I can't believe this is the I think Hoops and Teeson played all the horn stuff. They they played trumpet, I think, in high school, and they ended up just hopping on that. I'm actually the bass player on that track. Nice. Uh, I, we literally just hopped in and, you know, kind of kind of assembled it you know, to a certain degree based around a piano track, you know, based around Matt's piano performance. Then talk me through the decision to add uh, Switchfoot's John Foreman uh, at the end playing the role of God. Because up until this point, I don't know of a Reliant K song that features anyone else on it. So that must have been a discussion like, who do we get for this role? What would sound right? Yeah, you know, actually, it's interesting because uh, on Mm Hmm, we actually did at that point start guesting a few different singers, but but it wasn't necessarily somebody like of John John stature. On a couple of tracks, on one of them, uh, John Davis, who was in a general market band called Super Drag, okay. he had recently become a believer, and uh, we had him guest on one of the tunes. And then uh, I was at that time also, besides working with Reliant K on that, I was running a label out of Nashville that that was uh, Christians that were doing general market type of things. It was a small label that that. Uh, I had a couple of good bands. I, one of the bands I had was a band called The Wedding out of Arkansas here in the States. I love and The, the Wedding. Singer- yeah, and, and Kevin Keen, the singer from that, I was working with them. At the same time, I was working with with uh, Reliant K on mm-hmm, on the in betweens. I was working with the Wedding on their first record, and Teeson heard that you know heard Kevin's voice and goes, "Dude, that guy sings great." Which you know, I mean, I was kind of going, "Yeah, you're preaching to the choir on that one for <laughs> me." Um, I thought he was great too, and he said, "Can we get Kevin to sing?" So you know, we, we that was kind of getting our foot in the door, you know, on that. But I think the thing with John Foreman, I mean, R.K. had done some dates with him throughout the years, you know, and, and, and I'd known Switchfoot, I mean, from my DC talk days, you know, uh, you do your festivals and like DC talk, you know, we were the headliner most of the times when we played and I didn't necessarily hang out at a festival all day. You know, <laughs> it's kind of like we we were 
chilling back at the hotel or playing softball or doing something. Uh, but Switchfoot was one of the bands that I always made and took time to go see play in like an afternoon stage. And and so I had gotten to know the Foremans and, and Tim and all these guys, you know, all these different people. And so it was logical. So literally what we did is we sent the track to him with just a guide vocal in at his home studio. He just put his vocal on and emailed it back to me and I flew it in the track. He was, he was, he was awesome. He was grateful to do it. It even sounds a little bit different for him because on a lot of Switchfoot songs, there's, there's big rock moments. And then on this song, it's almost like he's, it's a beautiful sort of sound coming from him. That's right. Sweeps in and, and it's, and it's, it's a beautiful matchup. It's perfect. I am the way, follow me. He had expressed a concern to me because, uh, you know, Matt Thiessen has lived in falsetto world with his voice since the first record. I mean, kind of when I found out that he kind of had that Brian Wilson falsetto, it's like, yeah, let's let's use that a bunch. And he was willing to go there, which was great. John had said something to me like, he goes, man, I don't have all that strong a falsetto. I'll, I'll, I'll try, you know, I'll try and see what I can do. And of course it's exactly like you said, it just the, 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 um, I don't want to say innocence, but, but the, the purity yeah. of, of the vocal, uh, the, the vulnerability of it, I thought it worked fantastic. And I think in his mind, he was kind of like, oh man, I don't know if that was good enough. And it's like, <laughs> dude, it's great. It absolutely fits the bill. We mentioned before that the length of the song, 11 minutes and, and five seconds. Right. Was there ever talk to cut it down? Like, oh, we're getting a bit far here. Like how long can a song really go? No, you know, there really wasn't. When we were working on Deathbed, we were getting some of the mixes back. Chris Lord Algy was mixing a lot of the rest of the record. And so they would send the mixes and we were listening to them in my studio in Nashville and, and just kind of listening, kind of, you know, making mix, you know, suggestions or whatever have you. But, um, you know, as I listened to what was coming in, it was so pop, you know, it must have done something right. You know, it, it, was, it was so it was so pop. Um, especially after mm-hmm, had so many songs that had uh, a lot of maturity in it. And, and I'm not saying that it was bad by any stretch. It's a great record. But but I felt like, especially with Deathbed, I, I felt like it brought a real depth back into the record versus the three-minute, three-and-a-half-minute, four-minute pop song. Yeah, and I'm sure that's what Capital were expecting, you know, like they're, they're a commercial uh, label they want three and a half minute songs they can chuck on the radio and then you rock up with this 11 minutes and five seconds and it's like oh that's that's different (laughs) well that's what happens when you leave us to our own devices you know (laughs) it's kind of one of those things you know but no i mean that was us goatee records you know who they've been signed to for forever they were always great about that they always trusted us all the albums up until mm-hmm, were actually recorded. I was living in Ohio at the time. I was still on the road with DC Talk, and we would work on those on the in-betweens a lot of time. And those were done in my home studio up in Ohio, and they weren't done in Nashville. Uh, literally, mm-hmm, was the first one we did in a major studio in Nashville. And Goatee was just always great about letting us do our thing. I, they trusted us. Yeah. Uh, which to, Toby Mac, and, you know, and, and just 
Joey Elwood and the people that run that label were extremely trusting. And I think that, uh, I think in the long run, it paid off for him, just being honest. There's a track on Toby Mac's latest album where he's got the uh, other members of DC Talk uh, on to, to feature on it. You didn't get the call up for yeah, that yeah. one? How can we start to erase this space between this us? Space between us? Would you step across a party line? Would you walk into my cold cell? No, I think it was probably just the singers, you know, at that point in time. We were looking at doing, we did both reunion cruises, you know, in in 17 and 19. And and we were talking about doing a a month and a half tour or something like that. And then COVID hit and it just kind of wiped the whole industry out. And that's when... Toby ended up having to cancel shows or rearrange. And then so he had to go back and get a backlog. So I think at some point in time, I think you'll see that. I think you'll see a uh, you'll see another talk tour and I'll be there with him on that. Awesome. You know, which will be a lot of fun. When we did the cruises, we hadn't missed a beat. They booked two two weeks worth of rehearsal. We had we had the stuff down. We hadn't played together probably in. Man, it had probably been like 16, 17 years since we played together uh as a band and played those songs we had it down in two days <laughs> and then we didn't need two weeks of rehearsal so uh it you know comes flooding back yeah it, 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 it did and we were just always super tight you know and uh it still are to a certain degree so i need to ask as well what's happening with reliant k am i allowed to to know is there anything that's brewing yeah they did they did a, they did a short tour i i, I think on the on uh, last year, I want to say it was last spring or whatever, and they were out for a while, and I think it was pretty well received. The difficult part, I think, for everybody in the touring business these days uh, is the cost of, of it. The, the cost of diesel especially has been outrageous. Yeah. Because I, I generally talk to T-Center, or, you know, see him every few weeks or whatever have you, especially. And he, um, last I talked to him, he's got a... Um, connection with some filmmakers out in LA and they had asked him about doing some music, you know, soundtrack stuff for that. I, and there were, he didn't, I didn't have a lot of details on the stories in particular. One of them definitely kind of was looking towards a punk rockish type soundtrack. Yeah, cool. And so he was going to be involved with that. And of course me and him had talked about working together on that. So I don't know that that was specifically, I think it was more of a Matt Thiessen project than a Reliant K project. Yeah. I imagine at some point in time, they'll get back to making music. Well, man, I could talk to you about Reliant K and hear all these cool little stories for hours, but uh, we have a song to play for everyone. Uh, Deathbed from Reliant K. We're going to chuck it on for everyone now. Mark Lee Townsend, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Blessings to you as you uh, continue your good work, all right? I can smell the death on the sheets covering My deathbed Lie here alone If I close my eyes tonight I know I'll be home The year was 1941 I was eight years old and far, far too young 
tale a kind mother made up for a son you see dad was a traveling preacher teaching the words of the teacher
so scared of Jesus, but he sought me out Like the cancer in my lungs is killing me now And I've given up hope on the days I have left But I cling to the hope of my life in the next Then Jesus showed up, said before we go up I thought that we might reminisce See one night in your life when you turned out the lights you ask for and pray for my forgiveness You cried wolf, the tears they soaked your fur The blood dripped from your fangs You said, what have I done? You loved that lamb with every sinful bone You said, Jesus, please forgive me of my crimes. Sanctify this withered heart of mine. Stay with me until my life is through. On that day, please take me home with you.
This episode of Songs That Change You was recorded on the land of the Ghana people. Each episode is produced, edited, and hosted by Aidan Grant. That's me. I'd like to also thank Zach Spencer for additional audio assistance and Pastor David Hall for helping support the show. If you like what you heard, please leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Or if you want to get in touch, maybe have a guest suggestion or any kind of feedback, please email aidang at hotmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.